minute <laughs> but uh, i'm back now i'm back in los angeles just had uh i uh, was in denver for four days doing comedy works i uh they have two clubs there i did both of them while i was there um three shows thank you to everybody that came out had a lot of you guys come out and um and support so i appreciate that i hope there's enough new stuff from when the last time you saw me i was working on uh, a few brand new jokes, which I feel I feel pretty good about. There's one that I'm not sure that I can really do. It just might be, um, might not. We're getting into it real fast now. Uh, it might be a little, um, a little too much on the dirty side. I think it's a funny joke. I j- it just may not fit uh, the rest of what I got going on, um, or that I'm just comfortable telling. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes there are kids in my audiences, and <laughs> it feels a little strange. Um, so, uh, thank you guys. And, uh, man, that, that comedy club is really good. Like the reputation, for those of you that don't know, the reputation of comedy works is that it is top three, if not maybe the best club, uh, in the country outside of Los Angeles and New York. So, and I, I gotta say, maybe I agree. I mean, they, they treat comics really well. They've got nice accommodations. The crowds were amazing. Um, Wednesday was okay. I'll say that. I'll say the crowd on Wednesday was all right. It wasn't as full as the other ones, and the crowd just it, it was a little harder to get them to to go with. But um, it's still a fun show. Still a fun show. So I'm I'm really excited. I finally got to do that. It had been. 11 years in the making, 11 years of getting, uh, <laughs> of sending emails, of trying to swing by, trying to put myself in the right position to do that comedy club. That's how long it took to get in there. So when, I don't, I don't think that's a reflection of who I am as a comedian. I think that's a reflection of how good that club is and how hard it is to get into. So it's happy to finally get to do that. And I appreciate everybody that came out and supported me. Uh, now I'm back in Los Angeles and I got to give a shout out. It's been a few weeks now, but I want to give a shout out, uh, to Lee Leckler, who, um, is the director that cast me last year in a, uh, Target and Pampers commercial, um, where I was like a surprise, uh, uh, with Chrissy Teigen, uh, was like behind the counter handing me the diapers that I had ordered online. And, uh, he, this dude cast me and he was super nice on set and uh, a pleasure to work with, really easy to get along with, and I've been following him. Uh, we follow each other on social media, and he just got engaged, and maybe many of you saw it. It was, uh, he, he like took his his girlfriend to uh, watch the movie Sleeping Beauty, and he had himself and her edited into the final scene where he like kisses her there to wake her up from her slumber, and then when like it cut back to them, he was on his knee in the movie theater with all our friends around. It, it it was like one of those things that went viral. If you look up like Sleeping Beauty proposal, it'll come up. That uh, that's a that's my buddy right there. I call him my buddy, but <laughs> I've only seen him one day in my life, and we've talked a few times over email. Uh, but that's that guy. So congratulations, Lee. That's awesome. That's always good, cool to see people that you work with do cool things. 
All right, we go right from that into uh, the Kobe Bryant situation. Huge bummer, you guys. Uh, as you well know, or if you're listening years from now, this was uh, right after Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And, I mean, I feel weird talking about it because I'm not a Laker fan. I was not necessarily a Kobe Bryant fan. Like, he was fun to watch play, but I didn't. I didn't think about him, you know, outside of when I saw him playing. Like, I would not have called myself, like, a a Kobe fan or anything. Um, But it it did, like, I remember finding out, uh, we were on our way home from church, and I found out that that he died in a helicopter crash. And it kind of, like, takes you back. And it's it's a weird feeling to, to, like... feel <laughs> my Sarah laughed at me when I said I kind of feel something she goes god you must you are just horribly in touch with your feelings if like you like can't even describe wait someone died and I felt something that's weird I yes guys are a little emotionally uh <laughs> shallow maybe um although I do have feelings from time to time and I can express them uh, typically, but this one it sh- it shocked me that I felt something. I guess that's the point. Is I, I was surprised that I cared, which I like. Yes, a human hu- nine people died, which is super sad. He was the only one I had ever heard of before it happened, so he's the one that like you glom onto. So you can't feel bad about that. Like some people, are like you know, there were other people in that helicopter that died. Yeah, yeah, that's very sad. There are people that die every single day, but when you when you are aware of someone and then they're gone. That's that's what happened. I guess in my mind, I had like Kobe, like without without thinking it through, Kobe in my mind had another 30, 40 years to live. You know, he's only 41 years old. And in my mind, I was like, put him in safe category. You get somebody like Betty White, you're like, she's not in safe territory. OK, at any day this could happen. And uh, and then you kind of you don't feel good about it but you like okay it it was organized the proper way in my mind this one all of a sudden it took something that was in the back of my mind and put it in the front and it was and <laughs> and my stupid brain was like well i don't i don't agree with what's happening right now the the organization's all off i don't like it uh and so that's what i think what i was feeling and uh and i guess that's why it affected me it, i mean it affected a lot of people a lot of people were his fan a lot of people like the Lakers. A lot of people just, you know, when someone dies, they they feel something. Um, and so there, a lot of people were making posts about it. I, I was very sad about it. He had his daughter in there. It was horrible. And, you know, I think everybody can associate with that. You either have kids or you were a kid. So you can kind of tell how you feel about that. Um, but I'm also, it's weird, like, when people pass away, I am very much... Like, I, I deal with it by getting mad. Like, I, I'm sad at first, and then I get mad. Because I'm like, why? <laughs> why are you making me feel? Why? <laughs> why are you causing my body to do something that I did not okay? Uh, I get mad. I, I definitely victim blame. I'm looking at it going, why, you know, why are you in a helicopter, first of all? Like, why are you not down on the ground with the rest of us? Why? It was super foggy. That day, Sarah even said, geez, there's like a haze. Uh, it's super foggy. I read that other, you know, helicopters are grounded. They couldn't get to them because uh, other helicopters were not allowed to fly 
in that in that particular weather that you know pilots have come out and said why was he so low he should have been why was he going so fast and so I definitely victim blame and I think that's part of my uh healing process and how my brain deals like I, I like when people die in a car accident I'm like well were they wearing their seatbelt or were they, were they texting like immediately my brain goes there and that's not fair it's fair as long as I'm not like really putting it on them and I don't feel like it's putting it on them here on the podcast it's just asking questions like these are all questions I would ask anytime I'm on a plane and I have an opportunity to talk to a pilot I I ask them all kinds of questions like what about this what about that what do you do if this happens? What, what <laughs> I, I asked a pilot one time, I was like, so let's say that both you and the co-pilot have a heart attack at the same time and you die. What are the odds that I, if I got up into the cockpit and I got on the little radio with the uh, control tower, what are the odds that I could land this bird uh, <laughs> and, and make everyone safe? And they go, really not great. <laughs> and that disturbed me a little bit. It kind of took it as a challenge. I was like, what? Are you serious? Like, it bothered me a little bit because I was like, well, if that ever does happen, I guess my chances are low. But at the same time, like, can't, I mean, don't these things kind of fly themselves? Like, it it bothers me to think that they're up there, like, actually turning and stuff like, like, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, wiggle room in the balance for someone's mental stability. And I think that's kind of what we, like, anytime you get in the back of an Uber or you get on an airplane or something, there's a certain level of ignorance that you have to have. Like, that's just a human being up there. And if he's having a bad day and he's like, you know what? Screw it. It just just grounds it right at the end. Like, there's nothing we can do about that. And it kind of bothers me that they have that much control. Uh, and it's going to it's gonna mess me up next time I fly, I think. Because uh, uh, this has put it into a little bit of, like, uh, personal context for me. Because I fly all the time. Not in helicopters. I've never gotten on a helicopter. I've had an opportunity to do it. Like, anytime you go to, like... Mexico or on our honeymoon down in uh, the Caribbean is like you want to do a helicopter excursion I'm like first of all what are you crazy I don't want I'm not getting on a helicopter to see the Grand Canyon in America I'm not getting on a helicopter in, <laughs> in Nicaragua I'm not gonna do this like why oh my goodness so uh it is incredibly sad and uh and people, you know, go out there and they, they talk about his past. I don't know. Once somebody's dead, it's like it's over. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, raise him up. I think it's super sad. He was a great basketball player. He had things in his past. I'm not going to tear him down. I'm not going to raise him up. I just I don't know. It was weird that I I felt something. It, it, it was strange. It's like somebody that I didn't even like, you know, Brad Pitt, which I don't feel one way or another about. You know, I enjoy some of his movies. Uh, if he died, it would be in the same kind of category. Like, all of a sudden, he got bumped up the list. And we still have all these old people that I was ready to, like, let go of. <laughs> Sorry, Betty White. You're the only one that, like, anytime somebody posts anything about Betty White, anytime she's trending, it's like, oh, certainly this is the time she is gone, right? Like, how old is Betty White? Like, I feel like maybe she is dead and and people just have her on ice. They're like, we can't lose her. She was the she was the nicest golden girl. Oh, she's not even that old. Wait a second. No, yes, she is. Ninety eight years old. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, nineteen twenty two. Oh, years active. Nineteen thirty nine. I was like thirty nine. She's not as old as I thought. But that's years active as an actress. 
She's 39. So she's 98 years old. Uh, she lives in Oak Park, Illinois. Oak Park, Illinois. I just did shows around there. No, that's where she was born. Okay, I was going to say, Betty, you should have come to a show. You're only 98. I need you out there. She's 5'4", title 4th mayor of Hollywood. Uh, that's funny. I mean, she's outlived. She's outlived three husbands. That's how much Betty's not leaving. <laughs> Dang, her husband's... No, wait. Oh, no, the, she's just been married three times. Uh, twice for just two years. Man, how do you get divorced to Betty White? How do you look at Betty and be like, you know what? I don't like your smile. She hasn't been married since 81. That's that's pre-Golden Girls. She, dang, 81, that was, that was uh, 38 years ago. She hasn't been married in 38 years, so that's, she's at 60. She was like, that's it. I'm not jumping back into the fold. Let's see, Dick Barker. Did she outlive Dick Barker? Uh, da, 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 da. People also search for Betty White's marriages, Meet the Golden Girls stars, three husbands. Uh, Dick Barker, are you, are you dead? Are you alive? Dick, are you there? I can't find anything out about Dick Barker. I clicked him, but, but he's not showing up. So he, he doesn't matter. <laughs> Dick Barker, I'm going to assume he's gone. I'm assuming anybody she married is around her age, and very few people make it to 98, especially dudes. Wait, yes, okay. Oh, crap. Uh, now I feel bad. Alan Ludden, her last husband, died uh, while they were still married. So there you go, 1981. He died 38 years ago, uh, buried in Wisconsin. So she's still around. Okay. Spouses, yep. Uh, he got married twice, but then married Betty White. And then until he died. So, okay, I get it, Betty. So you didn't divorce that third one. Uh, <laughs> um, what about Lane Allen? Lane Allen, are you gone? Yes, 55. Wait. No, no. Okay, so he died in 1995. Okay, I was going to say, did she kill him too? Did <laughs> she kill two out of three, sweet little Betty? No, he made it to 95. Okay, Um he got married three times as well, and his last one, he died. Okay. So, dang, Betty White, 98. I hope she doesn't die tomorrow. I'll feel kind of bad. But uh, she'll have lived a long life, and, and that was the one thing Kobe, like, man, in a helicopter. They used to say he flew to, like, all his games uh, downtown Los Angeles, all his practices. Like, man, you skipped a lot of traffic. So you lived a lot in those 41 years. And I read something it said he wanted to die young. And so, well, I guess you you got what you wish for. I, I don't wish that on anybody. I feel really bad that his kid was in there with him. That's just super sad. Uh, and But I think I've dealt with it. I hope you guys are able to process. Like, I'm, I'm lucky that I have this podcast where I can kind of talk things out um, as I'm dealing with them. And that's, that's a lot of times the only time I, like, think on my feelings, which is weird. Uh, I don't know if most people do that or if that's what you do in therapy at like a, uh, you know, you get on the couch and you talk about your feelings. This is, this is, I guess, a little bit of my therapy and I figured out why I feel the way I feel. Speaking of feeling uh, gross inside, I've started getting the 1099s in the mail, which reminds me the tax day is less than three months away. My least favorite time of year. <laughs> If you guys are listeners, you know exactly what's happening right now in my life. 
Uh, and I'm just I'm stuffing them in a tax folder. That's it. I've got an email folder and a physical folder, and I just stuff tax things in there, and I mark them like April fourteenth. This is this is what you're you'll come back to this <laughs> in a couple of months. Uh, damn you, uh, USPS, for delivering those ten ninety nines and reminding me that this is what's going to happen. Damn you. Ugh. I don't want. Uh, I've just been in a panic ever since those started coming. I'm just like, oh god, just a little, little hand shaking because of that. And like, and by the way, try spelling the word panic. I wrote a joke the other day where I, uh, or maybe it was a tweet or something. And I tried to say panic. I don't know how to spell panic. Do you guys know how to spell it? It's really hard. Take out a pen, try and write it down without spell check. Panic. I don't. I still don't know. I've written it three different ways. <laughs> I've written it three different ways. And there's no way it's right. P-A-N-I-C-E-D. That's not panicked. <laughs> there's got to be a K in there or something. Oh, doggone it. I know we don't. I, I, I've forgotten how to spell a lot of things because you have spell check. You just like, I'll depend on this. Um, and then, But I still write out all my jokes longhand. So uh, no matter what I do, if I'm writing out a script or something, I, I write out longhand. I can't type it. Uh, and so, uh, my spelling comes to, if anybody ever finds one of my notebooks, I'm like, man, this guy was, uh, this is like a beautiful mind here, except for he didn't know how to spell <laughs> just Russell Crowe writing all these things on a chalkboard and everything's misspelled. That's what I feel like. Um, other things in the news going on right now, coronavirus is out there panicking people, panicking wall street. Why? I mean, it feels with with billions of people in the world, and they're like it's at eight hundred cases. It's grown rapidly, so that's a scary thing. And now, and and TV, Sarah was watching some some documentary on Netflix about like rapidly spreading diseases, and she like had this scary background music. It's like you are doing this to yourself. It's just a state of fear that you're putting yourself in. Just relax. Take it easy. Smarter people than us will figure this out. But then I think maybe smarter people than us have figured out that there are too many of us, and they gotta they gotta eliminate it. They gotta they gotta thin the herd. Maybe that's what's happening here. So it's possible. Like China, this where it's all going down, right? China, there are only five cases in the U.S., but that's how that's how quickly things can spread, especially with the two week incubation period. Then you go out the airport and you see all those people wearing masks and you and you're like wait do you not trust me or should i not trust you like i never know if those people are trying to avoid being sick or they are the sick ones and they're and they're i don't know if they're <laughs> if they got mistrust in their heart or if they're got a good heart and they're like let me protect everybody here um by the way i've got my email up and it's just junk mail after junk mail coming in like every time something new comes in i look up and uh, and I'm just like, oh, I don't need that. Don't need that. I got to figure out a way to get rid of those. I got to thin the herd on my inbox. Looking at an inbox, 999 plus. I had this figured out. At one point last year, I had I had us down to under 100. And I was feeling good. And every day I was going in and deleting what I didn't need and addressing things right away. So many things I just don't address right away. Damn it. This is why I tell jokes. Because I can't... <laughs> I can't just like knock things out as they come and <laughs> no other job would deal with a person like that. Um, but this coronavirus, they're saying, you know, could kill millions, could kill millions of us. The deadliest disease in recent history, which isn't really recent, 
was like I was reading it was like the twenties, the Spanish flu killed like it said killed between twenty and fifty million people, which by the way, that's a thirty million gap. That's a lot of people to be like, that also could have killed them. Like what? You don't know how these thirty million people I mean, that's a I understand like a few thousand across the world, like you're not sure, but thirty million? That's that's more than double. If you're on the low end, if it's 20 million, that's more than double. So you don't, <laughs> just people are dropping like flies. That must have been scary back in the 20s. I'm surprised they even knew, you know, like what, what to, you know, they probably didn't have, they were just cutting people's legs off. Like, let's drain all the blood out of you and see if that works right now. People are like, Nick, the 20s, you know, they weren't bloodletting in the 20s. You're talking about <laughs> like medieval times. I don't know. I don't care. It was all before I was around. Betty White was there. Maybe I should get her on the podcast before she croaks. Betty, tell me about the 20s. What was it? Oh, she wasn't. Yeah, she was alive in the late 20s because 98 and we're just hitting the roaring 20s of the 2020s. The double roar. God, this is I'm stupid this morning. (laughs) Maybe I have the coronavirus. A lot of people could die. You know, nobody here is panicked yet. I don't think. But maybe I feel like kind of like don't we have it coming? Like if it kills a bunch of us, don't we sort of deserve it as humanity? Like uh, Sarah and I went out to eat recently and it wasn't even like a fancy restaurant. We went to just like kind of a um, like one step above an olive garden. That's where we went. Just like like your entree is going to be seventeen dollars instead of 13 like that's where we went like we weren't paying through the eyes but but still the waiter came over and he's like you know telling us about the specials or whatever and you're just like ugh, this is ridiculous this is our food we've gone to this like we have a we have a pan seared a, a vodka infused delectable dish for you just with with an essence of lavender and and those napkins that are in your laps are 1,200-count Egyptian cotton. It's just like Sarah and I both looked at each other and were just like, oh, God. Ugh. Cannot believe. <laughs> I cannot believe. We kind of we kind of have it coming. Like I could see it. If, uh, if we get wiped out and they're like, well, look at what you were doing down there to your food. It was just something that was supposed to sustain you and give you energy. And instead, you're like killing these animals in mass quantities and then just lavender infusing their hide so that you have something to put on your Instagram. Like, isn't it a little disgusting? We've gone a little too far, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it just, it was highlighted, and we were just like, oh, we are going down. We are going down, and I can't argue. Like, I understand why other countries sometimes hate on America, like I get it, I can see it. I can I hate it too, and I live here. Like you could tell that we are turds just by looking at beer. Just look at, go to a beer, uh, a beer garden or like a like a bar that has like thirty beers on tap, and ask them for their beer list, and then start reading those descriptions. Like we've got it coming, you guys. Beer is like when you've got multiple sentences. To describe a beer, like this craft beer revolution, oh, craft beer, like what happened, what happened to cold? That used to be (laughs) the only description of beer that you needed, just ice, like maybe, maybe they upped it and it was ice cold, ice cold, like you don't even need, 
Like they're like, wow, how do we sell cold beer? Call it ice. Call it ice cold. Tell them it's tell them it's more than cold. It's ice cold. Oh, aren't we aren't we overstepping our bounds? Like what? No, just tell them it's ice cold. They'll want it more. People want to drink ice. They've never been able to drink ice because it's a solid. So you tell them it's ice cold. They'll be like, ooh, ice cold? Wait, how cold is is it? Is it cold or is it ice cold? I need to know it. So they, they then they like put that foot in the water, the ice cold. And then, then it had to go beyond that. They're like, from the mountains of Kilimanjaro, that's where we source our water and we triple filter it. And it's just like, shut up. Shut up. Just give me cold beer in a clean glass. That should be the description of it. You go to a you go to a bar and you ask for the beer list. It should be like, here's the name of this one, and it's cold beer in a clean glass. That sold, sold. Like I've never really drank a beer that I didn't like. I'm not really big on IPAs. I think they you know they're not a good tasting beer, so I don't really like it. Uh, but, <laughs> but I don't need much more description than that. The only beer I've never dr- uh, that I didn't drink was like some uh it was like some German or Austrian beer and it tasted like bologna. It smelled like bologna and it tasted like bologna. I was like, I'm not drinking bologna. Okay? So I guess if your beer tastes like bologna in the description it should be like cold bologna beer in a clean glass. But at that point, who cares if the glass is clean? Because everything tastes like bologna. Uh <laughs> but I feel like we've got it coming, guys. Coronavirus could sweep a lot of us out and I'm like, yeah I feel like many of us deserved it. Me included. Me included. I went out to eat at that place. I sh- when he when the waiter started like saying all that stuff. It's not his fault. He's just trying to sell the product that he got a job for. It's not like he owned the restaurant. It's not like he was the one writing the menu. He was just there trying to like upcharge us, upsell us on whatever it was, and that's what people have come to expect. It's just lavender infused. Egyptian cotton, twelve hundred count, five thousand count. Like remember in home ec when you you had to learn to sew or you had to learn to knit, and you made like a maybe you made like a pot holder or something, and it, it just was like twelve rows across. That was twelve. Uh, that was twelve count. That's what that was. You you took the yarn, you took your little crochet needles, and you went over under over under. And then you made it, and then you tied it off at the end. You're like, boom, I just made a pot holder for you, Mom. And that was that was 12 count. And you know what? That thing lasted forever, and it didn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't have any idea what count my sheets are, but I'm sure it mattered at one point. I'm sure whoever, I feel like we're still in the same sheets. Eh, those might not be our marriage sheets. But uh, but I, I, doubt, I don't know how much thread count they are, but I know this. I get into bed, and it's not like I'm... <laughs> It's not like I'm sleeping on unsanded lumber here. It's not like that. I, mean, I get in. I never notice if they feel rough or they feel smooth. And I think that's <laughs> that's good. I'm glad I'm not, like I can't sleep unless it's this special sheet. Although, OK, now I'm going to contradict myself because I was just doing shows uh, uh, in Colorado and the condo had this awesome uh, towels, which I had never noticed towels before. Uh, and all of a sudden I felt this and it felt like a, a little hug on my body. I even took a picture of the tag. I was like, kind of, if these towels are inexpensive, I want them. 
let me see. I'll, I'll give a shout out to these towels. Um, not a proud sponsor of the Hoffcast, but maybe one day. Charisma Luxury Towels. 100% Hygro Cotton. Hygro? I didn't even know that was a thing. Hygro Cotton? I guess that's a thing. I took a picture of it. 100% cotton. 100% cotton. Made in India. Costco. You know, Costco, they say, has has some good stuff. So the, these towels are bought at Costco, Charisma. I don't know if they... And I'm just... <laughs> I'm looking at this picture now, and I see, like, the little tag that... Uh, that has the little price tag, the little plastic bit that you put a price tag on. That's still on the towel. I use that all week in Denver for four straight days. I use that towel, and I never noticed that there was a tag on there. That's how smooth these towels were, that they still had that little plastic tag scraping up against me. And I was like, ooh, this is the nicest towel. So Charisma Luxury Towels. I don't know if they're expensive or not, but I recommend them. I recommend them. Uh, Costco Wholesale Corporation. Go check them out. Uh, they they're at Costco. They can't be that expensive, right? Costco isn't that. I no. I guess they have some like really nice things, but you you gotta buy. If you buy six hundred of them, then uh, then they're cheap. Uh, I like that towel. So I guess I undercut myself. I do like some luxury items, but at least it you know it just says hundred percent high grow cotton. It's not like hundred percent high grow cotton picked from the cotton fields of of the West Alps. Like, I don't even know if the West Alps are a thing, but the, uh, <laughs> at least it didn't say that. Like, at least I can get on board with how they describe the uh, the towel. And yeah, the Charisma logo is a little bit uh, presumptuous. It's like a fancy cursive C. But whatever, what else are you going to do? You got to sell the towel, right? So I'm not, I ain't mad at them. Charisma towels, I want one. I want a Charisma towel. Oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> Uh, I was doing a, my joke about uh, gift cards. I think I did it a couple of times last week, and some dude gave me a gift card at the end of the show, which I thought was awesome. He's like, here you go, man. <laughs> and I love the fact that I don't know if it's if it's good. I've gotten a couple of gift cards now from people who like that joke, and they think it's funny to hand me a gift card. You know, everybody's got one in their purse or in their wallet or something. And yeah, maybe there's only $3 on there, but I, I like the uh, I like the mystery of it i like i like not knowing so he just handed me a target gift card he's like there you go man i was like is there something on there he's going "Eh, yeah (laughs) i don't know if i believe but i like it um so uh thank you thank you to that guy in denver who who hooked me up with a gift card um look charisma towels 26 dollars for a two-piece bath sheet set that's not much charisma towels dude i like it 100 percent high grow cotton is a thing Wait, why is this one fifteen ninety nine, and this one? Oh, damn it! And this one's thirty. Well spun two piece organic bath. No, that's not it. I don't need that. I don't need to see that organic bath sheet set. Like, no, I don't. I don't care. Like, why? What? What's organic about a towel? I've gone overboard, guys. I've, coronavirus is going to wipe us out, and I can't say that I <laughs> that I that I don't think we deserve it at least a little bit. Um, anyway, I'm going to find some of these, uh, charisma towels and I'm going to see, I'm going to, maybe I'll pick a few up and surprise my wife with them and say, here you go. Uh, she didn't have a birthday or no anniversary coming up. Mother's day is coming up, but she's going to look at this and be like towels. Really? It's how, how you look at me when you, <laughs> when I give you socks for Christmas, which by the way, I love socks. 
Um, anyway, that uh, that's that's the podcast. Uh, dates coming up. Let me let me let you guys know where I'm going to be coming up. Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. So if you're in the Minneapolis area or you know somebody, let them know. I'm at the Laugh Camp Comedy Club February 7th and 8th. Then uh, at the end of February, I'm at the Slow Comedy Festival. Got accepted into the Comedy Festival. It's a fun one up there. If you're in Central Coast, California, come out and see a show. That's February 27th to March 1st. Then at the beginning of March, uh, Idaho. Idaho Event Center in I don't even know what town. Uh, Is it Idaho Falls? I'm not sure. Uh, It's not Boise. I'm going to say Idaho Falls. Idaho Event Center. Um, there, uh, March 5th, and then I'm in Wise Guys in Ogden, Utah, March 6th and 7th. If you guys are in Utah, come out and, uh, check out a show. Idaho Falls, there it is, confirmed. Idaho Falls, Downtown Event Center, I'm there, March 5th, and then in, uh, Ogden, Utah, March 6th and 7th. They're Wise Guys, um... Did I say Spokane Comedy Club? I don't think I did. I think I skipped over Spokane. Uh, February 14th. That's a big date, you guys. That's uh, Valentine's Day. Get those tickets and help me spread the word. Uh, I need to let everybody know I'm going to be there headlining that late show on February 14th. Love to see a lot of you guys out there. Thank you for listening to the Hoffcast. Make sure you rate and subscribe. Share it with your friend. I hope you guys have a good week. 